0: Topic this morning is what to do if you find yourself in a dream. We've talked about this subject somewhat before. We've talked about how all the major religions and the Eastern philosophies and any number of systems use this analogy and say quite literally that we are in a dream. A Course in Miracles puts it this way When you woke up this morning you merely passed from one dream to another. We talked about how in in the Bible, Adam fell asleep and there's no account of his having awakened. So everything that comes after Adam falling asleep can be considered a dream. And so this raises the question as to whether or not it might be helpful to look at our night dreams as an analogy to what's going on during the day if, in fact, what's going on during the day is manufactured, produced, in exactly the same way that it is at night. Not by the brain, but by the mind which we are. It isn't necessary to understand this, and it's not necessary to spend long hours trying to figure out how this works. But it can be helpful to use this as a general premise that everything that I see with my eyes is just as much a dream as it was last night. Because that certainly gives you a different way of approaching things. You might say, well, how would I approach this if this were a dream? So it's not necessary to believe that it's a dream, but you can begin with the premise that it's a dream and approach it in that way and just see what happens. Now, most people think that dreams are so crazy that this would indeed be a crazy thing. But let's look at the world and see if if it really is. Let's just look at some of the things that we accept in the world as just ordinary things, uh, such as uh, little balls of ice falling from the heaven. In the middle of summer, this happens in Santa Fe. Suddenly, there are little balls of ice. And people say, atmospheric conditions. Atmospheric conditions. And this explains it, of course. Dreams are filled with great symbolism. and Huge books have been written on the symbolism of dreams. We often think that the sane world does not have symbolism except possibly uh, whether or not you have an alligator, a fox, or a penguin on your shirt. <laughs> this this, indeed, this is very important. And if you have a fox, that means that you paid less for your shirt, but that you don't care. <laughs> Of course, a fox can also mean that you pay less to have your photographs develop, and you do care. So, I'm not sure what the penguin means, but it's important. And then there's healing. In a dream healings can take place through all kinds of weird things, you know, kangaroo skin or something like that. But in the sane world... We have healings taking place. They actually do take place because of bread mold. We cure uh, pneumonia with bread mold or uh, you can cure almost anything by suspending a rock into your aura. This is true. People actually do this and healings do, in fact, result from this. And uh, you can live uh, in a dream. You Possibly you... Last night you lived in a giant acorn, and you told everyone about this, and they were very—they thought this was delightful that you lived in this giant acorn. But where do you live in the sane world? You live on a spinning ball, and it spins thousands of miles an hour. It goes very, very fast, but no one can feel it. No one can feel it spinning. This is perfectly sane. <laughs> you live on a spinning ball and no one can tell it's spinning. <clears throat> or maybe in your in your dream last night, uh, there was a, a flying banker. That was, that was fun, and you reported that. But in the sane world, we have flying monkeys. No one thinks anything of that. We have uh, flying machines. And of course, everyone in Santa Fe flies. So, <laughs> it's a little play on words. If you hadn't been coming to Dispensable Church, you wouldn't understand <laughs> that. Either. So if you just look at the world as if all this could be questioned, you can see that, that this whole little scenario that man is cooked up is indeed quite silly this whole thing is quite silly now the problem comes in which people think it's a tragedy and the reason that people think it's a tragedy is that they think it ought to be another way if there were just these few little changes then people could fly as well as birds and and uh everybody would people would be healthy well people uh, one thing that people try for a great deal uh and this is apparent from all the magazines and the television ads and so forth, people try to look as if they're 18. Now, do you really want to be 85 and look like you're 18? (laughs) But no one questions this, since it's a completely unattainable goal. People go out with great enthusiasm, fill their shells with little creams uh, that come from all kinds of plants that they wouldn't dare have in their garden. Uh and the, but they put them on their face with great abandon akiyaka
1: <laughs> so
0: there's if you look at this world you can see and if you don't assume that the only thing that's wrong with this world is that the seed is too big in the avocado this was in this was in Oh God. This was the only mistake God admitted to in, in, in that movie.
1: <laughs>
0: now, come now. I just <laughs> Is that really the only mistake? As a matter of fact, the question is, is there anything in this world that's not a mistake? <laughs> it's very difficult to find anything that's not a mistake. And, it, and it's very difficult to find anyone who has not receive the Nobel Prize for trying to improve almost anything that you look at because everybody realizes that it can all be improved. So if we gently question whether or not God made this slap, slapstick comedy that we all find ourselves in, if we think, if we, if we say, well, maybe God is, in God's creation, and God's presence, has something else you know, there's this book now. Uh, Why do bad things happen to good people? The, the thing that's the thing that's uh, curious to me is that this is raising such a controversy. This, this suddenly this is a big theological question as to whether or not uh, God is going around zapping babies and making mud, uh, making hills fall in on people's houses and uh, destroying mobile homes with tornadoes and you know all this stuff. Uh, obviously, anyone who's prayed deeply or meditated deeply or just been sat silently in a a lovely meadow and just looked at at the flowers and listened to the, the songs of the crickets and the birds and so forth and has just had a moment of stillness, realizes that there's something else beside all this craziness. You underestimate the insanity of the world says A Course in Miracles. Underestimated. This is not a sad thing at all. It stops the battle. It stops the endless attempt to control one thing after another after another. Let's have a a New Age prayer uh, which we can say together. A soap opera is never resolved. I want the peace of God. I wonder if you'd say that. <laughs> I'll say it one more time. You <laughs> I've been checking out the real churches now. They all do this in the real churches. The guy up front says something. And then the people say... "So, so. Some of you say we don't have enough dignity here, so we're going to add dignity now. A soap opera is never resolved. I want the peace of God. Let's say that together. A soap opera is never resolved. I want the peace of God. Okay, so let's let's just look at... um, some comparisons between this and the dream you had last night. I've mentioned before something that I find very hopeful that you see on TV occasionally, when there is one of these mudslides or a fire or something like that, and you find some family's home completely eliminated carried off in the winds, or burnt down, or whatever. And the correspondent is there, and the people are being interviewed. And they say, and obviously they're not unhappy. There's peace in their face. And they say, at least we have each other. And they are obviously, at that moment, not upset by all this. Gail and I uh, marriage counsel from time to time. And this is something that we've often brought up to couples when they are having uh, three day wars over a grapefruit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Or how to squeeze a lemon. I've seen this as an issue. <laughs> you don't just squeeze a lemon wedge. You put the fork in first. Where were you raised? You put the fork in <clears throat> Okay. All right. So perhaps you've noticed that a dream can be very bizarre. Possibly even violent. And when you look back at it, you see that you were quite peaceful during these very bizarre circumstances. How many people have noticed that? Sort of a calmness, even though you look back on the dream and all this stuff is going on, but you you realize that your mood was not particularly vicious or whatever the circumstances might have seemed to call for. Very much like losing everything, but realizing a truth. Yes, but we have each other. And they're happy because they have each other now. And so it doesn't doesn't really matter. A mind at rest in the present experiences no pain. Why don't we say that together? A mind Mind at rest in in the present present experiences no pain. pain. Now another thing perhaps you've noticed about dreams. This first one incidentally is it's sufficient, it's a sufficient truth that no matter what's going on around you, you can choose your own reaction to it. You can see it. Children do this. <clears throat> Children have these wonderful games of war which everyone's falling down all over the place. And they're laughing and they're having fun with all of this. That is possible to have a peaceful outlook. To have a gentle heart in the most bizarre of circumstances. And all of it it really requires is simply the gentle effort of returning the mind to the present. Which you will not be able to do successfully, but maybe just for a few seconds. And then you do it again, and then you do it again. And then there's this gentle retraining of the mind. So that you walk on water. That's what you are actually doing. You, you become so harmless by returning your mind to the present that you do not stamp on anything. You do not penetrate anything. And you literally walk over all of this craziness, which can be laughed at so happily and so gently. So returning the mind to the present is an incredibly powerful realization. That God is now. I live now. It will always be now. There will never be a time which is not now. So why am I fearing this thing that will never happen called the future? Because it will always be now. This realization is sufficient to lay aside all books and all studies forever. Once you realize that God is and the world will be, or was, but God is, then you walk on water. You become totally harmless. You attempt to change nothing. You don't tear at appearances any longer, you let people alone. A soap opera has no resolution. And so you merely laugh at it, or you turn it down. Another thing perhaps you've noticed in dreams is that when you look back on a dream, you're not mad at the people in the dream. You don't dwell on what the people in the dream did. You see, it's just a dream. You merely dreamed about what these people did. So you carry no grudge. You don't analyze what they mean when they said so and so. But you might perhaps look at the dream as a whole. You might look at the pattern of the dream and interpret the pattern. So all dream interpretation rests not on deep analysis of the personalities of the people in the dream, but on the pattern of the dream, the general events of the dream. And in this way, we can look back on any situation and see the pattern and draw quite useful lessons from that. And one of the things that Gail and I noticed, and I've talked about this before, but we just recently discovered something that's helping us a great deal, is that we noticed that the the second half of the day or the last third of the day is often totally wasted that the general purpose that we set in the morning can be sustained, but it seems like it can only be sustained for so long. And then everything gets so bad, so rough, so crazy, that we just feel a victim of it. Perhaps you've noticed this, this sort of feeling of defeat and helplessness with it all, and hopelessness toward the end of the day. So what Gail and I started doing, and you can do this by yourself if you don't have someone to do it with, is that we have what we call a major rededication service. (laughs) We actually do. It comes usually around 3 o'clock. And we get together, and we pray or meditate with an earnestness that we haven't prayed or meditate with before. So we try to recapture the same sense of resolve that we had in the morning and we let the first part of the day go just let it go say it's now over it's now finished it's yesterday but from three o'clock till the time we go to bed is now our new day So that's a pattern. By looking at the pattern, we saw that the same kind of thing was happening every day. And whenever you see a pattern, and every time that you get angry, you have gotten angry in just that way a thousand times before. If instead of analyzing the person, which you wouldn't do in a dream, if you analyze the pattern, you will see that this is an anger that has been evoked in you like a thousand other angers. And that no one else on earth gets angry in quite that way as you do. They may get angry in some of those kinds of situations, but there's a certain thing that's going on there in your life. And so now this is no longer an issue with the person, because as long as it's a personal issue, we will not get past the pattern. As long as we find that, that we're irritated and we try to figure out what made us irritated in the sense that what is it around us, what circumstances or what person made us irritated and try to change the person? We're not gonna nothing's gonna change because there will always be another person or another situation like that will, that will take mm-hmm. its place. But if you look at the pattern of the irritation or the depression, look at it gently, without any hocus pocus, without any second guessing. Just assuming that you know everything you need to know. Assuming that you knew everything that you need, need to know. And you look at the pattern and you say, what can I do about this? This is not a pattern that you look at in order to make yourself feel guilty, but a pattern you look at in order so you can take some simple action. It's very interesting about the ego. If we take an action, any action at all, nine out of ten times, that alone will dissolve the problem. Notice that your ego argues for no action. Or, it argues for an impossible action. Some huge, grandiose something or another That in your heart, you know you're simply not ready to undertake. And so does the ego. And so therefore, it keeps the whole thing stalemated. But take some simple action. And your ego will scream bloody murder if you think of, oh, well, I can do this very simple thing. Such as, excuse myself. Walk away from the situation. Put the phone down for a second. And actually plan to do that and actually begin practicing that. It's so simple that you can feel this funny resistance from your ego. It's quite funny. And in doing it, the problem resolves. Another thing that happens in dreams is that we do this terrible, terrible things in dreams. And then we wake up. And we forgive ourselves because it was in a dream. You say, oh, that was just in a dream. There's no huge amount of guilt involved with that. Jerry Jampolsky says, you might as well forgive yourself because it didn't happen in the first place. That's, of course, the realization in a dream. We only awaken from a dream by forgiving it. Even at night, you only awaken from a dream by forgetting it. By forgiving it. Because to forgive means. That you neither want. The experience that it is offering you. You do not want the effects of the dream. Nor are you in a war with the dream. You have given it back to nothingness. You have. far given it. You have simply let it go. And that's the only way that we can forgive. Ourselves is to simply say, well, it was a mistake, and next time I will try such and such, and then we let it go. But if we dwell on it and we criticize ourselves for it, then we do not let it go. And if you're at war with something in a dream, you will not wake up. It's when you lose interest in it. So if you truly wish to get beyond something that you're presently doing in your life, do not give yourself long lectures about the history of this. Do not identify this with your personality, and, and, and every time there's any evidence of this thing going on in your life, look back and see what an evil person you have been for so many years and how central this is to your character. There's no correction in that. Correction makes us happy. Whenever we think of correcting something, we are automatically a little more lighthearted, just that thought. If you're feeling depressed and anxious and guilty, you have not yet turned your mind to what might be a simple way of beginning a correcting process. That's all that ever has to be done see the mistake, say, yes, that was a mistake. And then say, what might I do? What simple thing might I do that could possibly help, help a little? I will do that. And then you let it go. Nothing more is needed than that. And looking back on a dream it's possible to to remember perhaps a time that that you realized it was a dream and you did a very interesting thing when you realized it was a dream. You merely waited for the dream to end. You did nothing to try to bring its ending nearer. And we're so used to being in a rush and trying to get things to happen more quickly, that this attitude is very often brought into a spiritual path. The seeming paradox about a spiritual path is that when you say, I have all the time in the world, I will take my own sweet time. When you say, I will take my own sweet time, you save time. When you rush... You try to make it happen fast. You stand absolutely still and waste time. Nothing more than that. There's no huge sin to it. But there is this this complete waste of time that, that takes place. Because by trying to make something happen quickly, first of all, we have to know what it is that we want to make happen. So we have to have already learned the lesson that we're trying to learn. We have to already be at the place that we're trying to walk to. So the whole assumption is crazy in the first place. That we would even know the direction to, in which we're supposed to walk. Aren't we being led home? If we really knew, we would already be there. So of course, first of all, we don't even know what the next step is. And all of us are always deciding what the next step is. We see some habit in our life or something, and we say, this is the next step. How do we know it's the next step? Well, we can be be sure that it's not the next step if there's a huge war when you try to tackle that particular aspect of your life. But if there's an ease to what you're doing, and if you simply say, I don't know my way home, I don't know how anyone's marriage is supposed to turn out. I don't know whether or not I'm supposed to be fired from the job. This is an extremely happy thought if it's seen with complete honesty that we just simply don't know. And so we relax and our mind returns to the present. And we let people alone. We let the relationships alone We let them go through whatever experience it seems that they need to go through at this time. And then this soft, gentle blanket settles all over everything. That which is in me is greater than that which is in the world, says one of the translations of the Bible. That which is in me is greater than that which is in the world. This is sort of the feeling when you realize that you're dreaming at night. You suddenly realize you're dreaming the feeling is that which is in me will out endure that which is in the dream i am real what is real will easily out endure what is unreal i am real and what is real will easily out endure what is unreal I don't know if you'd say that <laughs> i am real and what is real will easily outendure what is unreal. And then, perhaps in looking at dreams at night, you understand that a dream only ends by your waking up. Now, you wake up, By not doing anything more than realizing that what is in you is greater than what is in the world. That's how you wake up. It's a practicing of safety. It is the beginning of trust. A time must come in which we say, What am I going to do about all this truth? I've heard of the Dispensable Church, I've read in the Course of Miracles, I've heard in a thousand places, what am I going to do about all this truth? Because what the ego wants uh, to happen is it wants you to suddenly arrive, it just wants it to suddenly be true, and it actually thinks that there's some hocus pocus to all this. And people often try to heal themselves and heal other people in a sort of a magical sense, So there's a sort of casting about in the mind. If I do the right thing, I'll get healed of my leukemia, whatever it may be. Or I can heal so-and-so of their their sore back, of their headache. And there's actually a turning to magic. There's nothing simple. The person is assuming that they do not know, that, that there's some sort of hidden secret and that they might happen upon it if they do all this casting about. That's not true. The journey does begin with a single step. And so what do we do about all this truth? We take any part of it, just one step. Did you know that A Course in Miracles is not Jesus' favorite teaching aid? (laughs) a course in miracles is not sacred every statement in a course in miracles is not for you haven't you seen people who know that they can reach god through the bible have you ever seen people like this and maybe you are one of these people or maybe you were one of these people what did you do you had this problem and you turned to the Bible, and you started reading and reading the Bible. You knew the truth was there, and then suddenly you found this passage. And possibly you read it in a way you'd never read it before. Just, it, was, it was just like a light on the page. And you said, ah, that's it. Have you seen people that could just open the Bible and they, and they get their answer? maybe not the first time, but they don't stop at the first time. They don't just open it once and, and read uh, off uh, beget
1: <laughs>
0: boo and boo beget in and off. But they don't stop there.
1: <laughs>
0: they know that they can find God in the Bible and that's all there is to it they can't tell you when they're gonna find it but they're going to find it and they find it that's what we must do with the truth take any statement in A Course in Miracles take any statement in the Sermon on the Mount take any statement of Paul's Krishnamurti's of anybody any place where you know there's truth any book that makes you happy pick up (coughs) sort of sense of peace about this one book you have on your shelf go to that book open it take the statement of truth make it your own and begin begin as if it were true and carry it like some sweet lozenge on your tongue just carry it around like some wonderful, healthy lifesaver, You just suck on it all day long. That's what you do with this truth. You just wrap it around every person you see, every situation. You do a little rug dance on it every time you remember. It's just this friend, this little truth that you carry with you. It doesn't matter what the truth is. He that is with me is greater than he that is in the world, says the King James Version of that same statement. It doesn't matter what the truth is. We must take some truth and live it, make it a part. Say, I'm going to operate as if it's true. Let go and let God. Is there anyone here who hasn't heard that statement? Let go and let God. Nothing more is needed than that one statement. If we were to turn over every difficulty to God, so I'm going to turn that over to God. I know people sound corny and silly and stupid when they say, "I'm just going to turn it over to God." <laughs> this is things that grandmothers say and stuff like that.
1: <laughs>
0: My grandmother used to say that, "I'm just going to turn it over to God." then she'd walk away and she wouldn't be worried. I was so angry about that. (laughs) (laughs) You can't do that, grandmother. (laughs) So, those are just a few of the truths that we can, just from looking at dreams at night, that we can see. Let me just go over them. You can feel peaceful in any situation. Don't dwell on what people did. Here's, here's Let's put it this way. I am not upset with you. I am upset with my same tired old approach to life. Now, I want you to think of somebody that you think you're upset with, somebody you find difficult or very depressing. Surely there's someone you find very depressing, very difficult, just a little bit difficult, <laughs> okay. Now, close your eyes and just think of somebody if you find it difficult. There's a somebody very difficult in your life. I'm gonna say this quickly, then I want you to say it together with me. I am not upset with you, I am upset with my same tired old approach to life. I'll say that together with you. I am not upset, upset with you, you. I am upset, upset with my, upset. my same tired. Old you can forgive yourself because it didn't happen if the truth is true just wait for the dream to end it's going to end just a parenthesis in eternity it's been called this dream this little question that was asked one day in heaven does attack have any value is there more than everything? <clears throat> There's the answer to the question. We're seeing it played out here. Does attack have any value? It's a dream. That's all—a little dream. The answer is, of course, it has no value. And so we just wait happily for the dream to end. In the meantime, we walk on it as if it were water. Harmlessly. Not trying to save the world. Not trying to change the world. But forgiving the world. Not trying to change our friends. Not trying to save our friends. Just forgive our friends. And enjoy them. And the last <coughs> truth is that the dream has no beginning and no end. As you see that at night, it has no beginning. It has no formal beginning. and has no formal end. It's just one episode after another after another. Exactly like a soap opera. And that's the way life is. I don't know what the age group, what the medium age is here, but I would say it's probably between 35 and 45 with people above and below that, but maybe some... Someplace in there. So all of you have seen this promise thing happen. Don't you remember all the couples that got married? (laughs) (laughs) And the promise? Don't you remember all the talks you had in high school and possibly in college or possibly even graduate school? What was going to happen? The sort of general excitement about what was going to happen in your life. And this general excitement about so-and-so who was just elected president of the student body. Everybody kind of knew what was going to happen to them. It was believed in high school that something was going to happen to everybody. That there was going to be some resolution. Now, you make one of those phone calls like they have on TV, you know. (laughs) And what's happened? general hospital. <laughs> I mean, they, what's happened? It's just one thing after another after another. And even if they got the job and they built the business or whatever it was, a few years later, they, well, they're just tired of all this. They're going to go live in the country now. <laughs> well, isn't that true? And now they're tired of living in the country. And <laughs> So what do you do? Well, what if, what if in a dream you had to explain to the people in the dream what you did in the sane world? Because, you know, we explain what happened then. What if you had to explain that? Well, this is what they would find out. Well, this is what you have to do. You explain to this pe- to the people in the dream, you explain what you had, what everybody in the same world had to do. Well, first of all, their major activity, the thing they do with most consistency is that they sleep. The people in the dream say, well, well what do you do when you sleep? Well, you dream that you're not sleeping.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm sure you know. No one's figured out why people sleep. You know, there's been book after book written on this. You know, well, how do you how do you sleep? Well, first of all, you put on a little outfit. <laughs> and uh, Unless you're open to a casual sex life. (laughs) Now, if you're open to a casual sex life, you don't put on an outfit. But people at the Dispensable Church, of course, they're not open to a casual sex life. So they put on all outfits. But it's very important. You have to tell the people in the dream that you don't cover your feet. (laughs) Well, they might ask, well, don't feet get cold in, in the real, in the sane world? Uh, well, do yes, uh, as a matter of fact, if I were going to run out in the snow, that's the one thing I'd cover would be my feet. Well, why is it that you don't cover your feet when you go to sleep? You don't put socks on or anything? No, no, it's just, it's just not done. Your little outfit covers everything but your feet. Now, it's hard to put a quilt down there at the bottom of the bed, you know, so your feet will be warm. You can't cover it. Then you put a little pillow under your head. Why do you do that? Well, uh, let's see. Why do you do that? Well, probably uh, so the blood won't rush to your head. You know, if the head was back like, well, when you stand up, does all the blood rush out of your head? No, no, but it's very important. And it's very important that when you get up, you yawn and stretch. Why do you do that? Well, uh, I've read that it's you exercise muscles. Oh, well, the muscles of the mouth must be very important. <laughs> so you're, you're exercising your arms and your mouth. <laughs> uh huh. And then, uh, well, then there's the hair you'd have to explain to them. A great deal has to be done with the hair after you get up (laughs) you have to shampoo the hair and comb the hair and mist the hair and blow dry the hair put cream rinse on the hair and protect the hair from the Sun you've got to do like this during the day and uh, this is very important hair is very people spend a lot of time doing that and uh, then they have these little clothes that they wear, this little outfit they wear during the day. Can't be the outfit you wore. <laughs> People would laugh. If you wore the same outfit, they would know this. They might lock you up. <laughs> and so you wear these little things on your feet. They've got little teeny things at the bottom of the, the back part of the foot. You put these little teeny things there. But why do you do that? Well, so you'll look taller. But doesn't everybody wear them? Yes. Well, if every... <laughs> well what else do you do in the, in the sane world? The people in the dream would say. What else do you do in the sane world? Well, uh, you spend a lot of time sitting in chairs. Well, is that, is Z a favorite position of people in the sane world? I, well, yes, it, I guess it is. That's, Z is the position that most people are in most of the day. (laughs) And then, what else do you do? Well, you spend a lot of time taking stands. It's very important to take stands. I, for example, was in a uh, film station the other day and saw a man take a stand on tire gauges. The, uh, The film station did not have a tire gauge. And he was very upset about this. This was not right. The phone station didn't have a tire gauge, and expressed his displeasure. And when he walked out, the man who owned the phone station said, "We've had about five tire gauges stolen. I'm sorry we didn't have one, you know, but it was important to take that stand." This, the, the film station owner learned a great deal from this.
1: <laughs>
0: and here in, well, you can take stands. You can take stands on ladybugs, for example. First of all, there's the whole question of health if you spray your vegetables and then there's the question of what is the spiritual way for the aphids to die (laughs) should they die should they die with a spray or should they die by being eaten alive (laughs) and of course it's more spiritual for them to be eaten alive but a stand must be taken you're either for or against ladybugs no one's neutral on this in the same world you see And smokers. It's important to take a stand about smokers. I think, personally, think it was a very good thing that the airlines put all the smokers at the back of the plane. And um, you're either for you. If you go, if you find a smoker. Smoking where they're not supposed to be. It's very important that you go up even if it's in the middle of a nice meal and everything and you tell them Do they realize they're not supposed to be smoking in here? Can't be neutral on this subject You can't even be neutral about haagen ice cream <laughs> There's the whole question of sugar There's the question of why does it have that little map on the top with an arrow pointing to Copenhagen when it's made in the Bronx. (laughs)
1: Now,
0: this this is not an honest thing. The stand must be taken. They shouldn't sell a product that points to Copenhagen when it's made in the Bronx. There's the question of how much it costs. And in Santa Fe, there's the question of poor Mr. Zook. (laughs) <laughs> I'll never again say anything that has to be explained. <laughs> right. So in the few minutes that we have left, let me just go over what to do. We talked about the nature of the dream, the nature of the world, and we see all these other things that we've got to do. We've just gone through a few of them. We've got to do in the same way. so. Here are some things, if you want to report some things to the people in the dream tonight, here are some sane things, some sane things that we can do. Now, I'd like to just very briefly review the things we've already talked about here and then just add a couple. This is one of the major questions, is what do you do? And there are simple things to do. If you just choose a few of them, you'll begin to make enormous progress. You can actually do A Course in Miracles. That's all right to do that.
1: It'll
0: take you a year. You'll just spend a few minutes each day. And then you can call yourself a teacher of God. It says in there, unless you've done the course, you, it would not be proper to call yourself a teacher of God. Now, I've never met anybody who's done the course who actually calls himself a teacher of God. <laughs> but nonetheless, that's your option. The Course in Miracles is structured. It tells you how to remember God. It gives you little ways to remember God every day. If you haven't done A Course in Miracles, do it. It'll take about as much time as brushing your teeth each day. That's one thing. Another thing is, we talked about this, to set your purpose when you get up in the morning. Just ask yourself, why am I? What is this thing created for what is what is what is my purpose what is my function no one never stops and asks that i think their purpose is to go buy toilet paper and safeway they never think about what their purpose is (coughs) what's my purpose what's my function why am i here on this earth what is what do i want to do with my life all those questions go to the heart rather than to the ego what do i want to do with this day Can I make some shining jewel out of this very day? Can I at least try to do that? Could there be one grand, magnificent day that would stand out in my memory? Can I at least try to make this day that kind of day? Can I have a day that makes the people in my life happy? Could I go through one day bringing comfort and happiness to the people around me? Could I at least try today? So we've talked about that. Doing that before you do anything else in the morning. If you have someone to do it with, do it before you and this other person talk of other things. Talk not of other things first. Set your purpose together first. We've mentioned starting over. Starting the day over. We've mentioned turning your thought to God before you go to sleep. Orienting your mind toward true rest. Before you rest, put on your little outfit. (laughs) We've talked about taking time to remember God. To remember home. To remember where you are. To acknowledge the truth just to pause during the day and acknowledge the truth. What your real work is, what your real direction is, what's truly important. We've talked about general things. I will use the words of the great codifiers of dispensable truth, Carol Scullin and David Poole. Follow your pee-pee. (laughs) <laughs> follow your peaceful preference follow your peaceful preference nothing more ever needs to be done than this if you would follow your peaceful preference you would say thousands and thousands and thousands of years every time you did it pipawa pause in peace and act with assurance If something comes up, some problem comes up, turn to peace. Peace is your best guide back to peace. Pause in peace. Take the simple thing that comes to your mind to do, and do it. And do it simply. And do it easily. And we've talked about withdrawing. Withdrawing from events. Withdrawing from battles you do not need to fight. Making peace your single goal. And if there's a situation in which you cannot be peaceful, you withdraw. Because you do not have to do anything on this earth. Nothing. You do not have to do anything. You do not have to go to work. You do not have to be on time. You do not have to finish the book. You do not have to watch the evening news. You do not have to eat uh, grapefruit in the morning. Maybe you'd like to... Make a list of all the things you think you have to do. You don't have to do anything. Do what allows you to be peaceful. Of course we will reach the time in which we can do anything and be at peace. Mother Teresa's obviously reached that point. She can do anything and be at peace. But we are not at that point. But you can be at that point very quickly. You can see it coming very quickly. If you will simply begin making your only purpose, your only aim, your only function, your only goal, peace, the peace of God. We've talked about as an aid to that, simplify. Simplifying your home. Simplifying your diet. Simplifying your clothes. Simplifying your relationships. We've talked about that it makes no There is no ideal for that. There's no way to look around and find out what simplicity is. Simplicity is in your heart. So the simplicity in your heart dictates what a simple home is like, what simple enjoyment of friends is like, what simple activities are like, what simple peaceful foods are like, what simple clothes that make you peaceful are like. we've talked about bracketing. Now, I hate to use that term in that way because sure enough, someone's going to say to someone else one day, well, what are you doing? I'm bracketing. (laughs) And then we're going to have someone talk. I know you're not going to say pip, awa or follow your pee-pee to other people outside. (laughs) (laughs) So in this church, we have... So there's a rule. You cannot say bracketing to someone who has not come to the Dispensable Church. Because the one thing about people who come to the Dispensable Church is they don't talk funny. So I've tried really to to avoid terms because they're all so silly and it has nothing to do with terms. But nevertheless, there is this one little term that has sort of a snap to it, bracketing. It just means you pause before the event and you pause after the event, that you have this little place of peace. You have this God, this heaven that you step back into before you enter the event. And when the event's over, you step back into God. God has to be some place. You have to begin with God. So you enter God, then you step into the world, and then you step back into God. Just a few seconds before and after. This can be helpful. And we have one, so far we have one, thou shalt not at the despicable church. Thou shalt not be discouraged. Why? Because anyone can now step past discouragement. As we said before, it's based on such silly assumptions that the truth is not simple, that the way is not easy, and that God is not with you, But God is with you and truth is so simple and the way is easy. And discouragement is ridiculous and the time has come for us to step away from discouragement. I'm going to add one more do not today. One more thou shalt not. This anyone can do. It's no longer allowed here. Can't do this. Thou shalt not criticize yourself. It's no longer necessary to do this. Just don't do it anymore. Do not criticize yourself. Yes, say I made a mistake. Possibly I could try this next time. That's enough. No criticism. God did not make junk. You're saying (laughs) God made junk when you criticize yourself. (laughs) Now I want to add one more th- one more suggestion. It's things you can do. Turn and bless what's hurting you. Turn and bless what's scaring you. What's depressing you? If your stomach is upset, first turn and bless it, then drink the Pepto Bismol. <laughs> first turn and bless your stomach and see how innocent it is. This innocent little stomach. If your wrist is aching, first turn and bless your wrist before you take the aspirin. See how innocent is this little wrist. Would you do that with me now? You can bless a person, but let's, and you should bless a person. Before you do something about the relationship that maybe you should step away from, first bless it and bless the person. But let's do that together with our body now. Please just take some aspect of your body, anything, it occasionally gives you trouble close your eyes with me and see how innocent it is this innocent little part of your body your apostat, whatever it may be your eyes your hair that's betrayed you so often <laughs> What do you do if you find yourself in a dream? You give a gift to your awakening. That's all we've been... You You give yourself a gift. You give a gift to your awakening if you find yourself in a dream. You do not try to wake up at once. You try to begin waking up. You give a gift. How do you give a gift to your awakening? By being kind. By being patient. By being happy. By being relaxed. By having fun. By laughing. By acknowledging the truth. By just sitting and saying some words of truth, even though you don't think you believe them at the moment. Just saying these gentle, gentle words. I will never leave you comfortless. My desire for God is very great. I want the peace of God. Any words. I turn it over to you, Father. I turn it over to you. I don't know what to do. Please show me. I wait for you. Don't tell yourself what it means to wait. Don't tell yourself what it looks like to wait. Don't tell yourself what form the answer must come if you wait. Just wait. It's taken care of. It is taken care of.